Oh yeah. That's not Imagine going to Spotify for. and like seeing, you know, Darla rolls the dice and like re, re, Darla like from, <laughs> from Finding Nemo. <laughs> Hey guys and gals, welcome to Do Check This Out, a podcast where we talk about all sorts of different genres of music that we, we find and bands that we love. We bring them in to talk to you and to push music that we love because the, the saying that there's no good music out there is just fucking false. You can curse in this podcast, by the way. <laughs> um, so we have a wonderful band in today. Oh, but real quick, uh, we talk about all sorts of genres on this podcast, but if you have something specific you would like to like us to talk about, please email hambonerelay at gmail.com. Uh, this podcast is brought together by Hambone Relay. I'm Rob. I play drums. And over there on the computer is Mr. Mark Brown that plays organ and runs all the business. Hey. And that's all he'll say for now. And um, today we got a wonderful band. They're a phenomenal six-piece instrumental band from Philadelphia since forming in 2013-2014. The group has honed their palette of funk and rock groups. Please say hello to Darla. How are you, boys? How's it going? Doing all right. How are you? It's cool, cool, cool. We got Will. We got, oh my God, Names Costa. And we got Dave. Everybody good? Yeah. All good. Doing good. I uh, I wanted to ask you guys a question because, you know what's funny? We saw your, um, not the latest album you put out, Dear Darla, but the the album you put out before that. We saw your show at Boot and Saddle. We were at the release party. Oh, nice. oh me and Mark. That was fun. Yeah, and, uh, that was fun. That you was, guys were cool so night. much fun. Thank you. Here live. Were you always a part of the band, Cost? Yes. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure about because I know there's so many moving pieces mm-hmm. in yeah. this band. I know. Oh, I am. I am the most recent addition of that's Ninja. True. Yeah. When did you join? I Dave? joined. Let's see. Twenty. Yeah, your, your first show was, it was the very end of my junior year of school, which was yeah, I don't like yeah, twenty sixteen. It was yeah. it was your first show was it was the summer. It was yeah. Beardfest twenty sixteen was your yes. first Star Wars. That's show. a good one to come yeah, out. It was a good like a, come out <laughs> place, yeah. and you're like, we got we, we do. No, we. I was very nervous. <laughs> Dave's first show was a, it was like a three a.m. <laughs> two a.m. set twenty sixteen Beardfest, yeah. and we got a Dave chant going yeah, mid set. Yeah. And we we got like uh, we got to do an encore at the end, but we literally played every single song that Dave knew because that's what we were gearing him up for. So for the whole encore, he just kind of like didn't play anything; he just participated. You just would just clap along in the back and just like yeah, yeah sure. I don't even think we ran it by you. We were just like, all right, we're gonna play this one. Yeah, Dave's they just like, what sort is of launched song? into it. That had never heard it before. <laughs> they gave you a key or anything? Nothing. No. Just said go well, for it. The, no. the other part too is that I had not really. played played saxophone since i had been in like sixth grade until two months before that show or three months before that show (laughs) oh wow so i wasn't super prepared to (laughs) jump in on a song i didn't know oh i didn't realize that you didn't play saxophone for years you just joined darling yeah i played saxophone was like the instrument that i played in fourth grade when they had you join band and i played till sixth or seventh grade or something and then there was a guitar class so i started doing guitar stuff instead but you just popped in uh, that's so just, ballsy yeah, just it, was, it was wild we our old so our old 
alto player ended up going to work in dc so he was leaving darla we weren't sure we were going to do and brendan our guitarist just uh text us one day he's like guys i figured it out it's cool like i got us a new sax player you know how to play sax i'm gonna bring him to practice on tuesday and uh and dave showed up none of us knew that he did not play sax for such a big window but I didn't just... know he played sax. Oh, right, because you guys were in class together. First criteria was we were friends. <laughs> right. Second criteria is do you know yeah. how to play this instrument? Yeah, it just started. <laughs> that first like practice just like went really well. Yeah. They also let me in before Will was even there, so. Right. <laughs> Will didn't get to yeah. assess any sax skills. They sort yeah. of just, just like, wait, I didn't even get to Here's the new guy. guy, Will. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't so, an important criteria. But yeah, it was like we all got along real well in that first practice. And Dave was like, afterwards, he told us that he had not played in years and years. We're like, all right, well, I don't know. The chemistry seems good, so we'll figure out the rest later. <laughs> like, that's, that's secondary to making sure we are right, all exactly. like having fun together. Was it funny when he told you, or was it uh, more of a, that's a fun fact, uh, also disturbing. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah, we were, it was. It was. I feel like mostly funny, but we were like, I don't know what it, we don't know what else we're gonna do. So this is this <laughs> for is some the best reason option. it was easily. You know, you know, we passed through that subject pretty quickly without much. Right. Brendan had confidence that Dave would figure it out. So we we're like, all right, cool. That's. Yeah, that's some confidence in your friend. Like, he's fine. Um, but before, Friendship will get us yeah, through. Right. Yeah, we were uh, working this, on... This uh, isn't like a 90s cartoon, dude. Like, <laughs> well, me and Brendan had like met earlier that term. Uh, well, not met. Like We had known each other all through school because we were in the same program, but we were working on a like production project together that term specifically and like started hanging out a lot and became fast friends. So... Well, here, let me ask you guys this, because I'm, I think this is the case. Most of you, if not all of you, went to Drexel for some form of music or yeah. audio engineering. So yeah, we all, all went, we were all majored in the same thing yeah. at Drexel. The program, no way. The program was music industry, uh-huh. and so Will and Richie were on the business track, and then I, I guess all the rest of us, me, Jake, Brendan, and Dave, were all on the tech tracks. We were all doing yeah. like recording studio stuff. Same major, different concentrations. Yeah. Right. Are we all about the same year? Um, me, Richie, and Jake are all the same year, and then the three of them are all the same year. Uh, and there are two years that separate. Right, two years Dave, separate us. Myself, Dave, and Brendan to yeah. Costa. So class of fifteen, class of seventeen. Okay, that's what I was curious about. So <laughs> yeah. sixteen was just like not cutting it. Well, our, our old alto player was class of sixteen, and you cut his ass. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. just kidding. But it was a real dud of a year. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it did what was his name again? Uh, Jake Fabian. Jake. Sorry, Jake. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it kind of did work out because we played a show for some of our friends' graduation the year before my senior year, and then we played our graduation show, Jake's graduation show, and then their graduation show. So we got four years of like that kind of. We got to graduate college four times in like a That's music fun. setting. Right. So it was, was kind of lucky. Also, just to avoid confusion, the former mm-hmm. sax player was named Jake Fabian. Our current right. bass player is named Jake Held. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there is still a Jake currently in the yeah. band, if you're confused moving forward. Um, Two Jakes. No Jakes. Sorry, who plays bass now? Jake Held. Jake Held. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, he was our, he was playing baritone guitar. Mm-hmm. And then... And before that, he was our front of house... Right before that, he was our front of house, and, and he also before, mastered your first record, right? Yeah, he yeah he he mastered our first record. He mixed and mastered and recorded pretty mess. He played guitar for us for a while. Mm-hmm. He was uh, like we were all friends at Drexel, and he was like our utility guy. It was like our original lead guitarist moved after college, and we were like, oh, he'll just keep coming back two hours to drive for <laughs> practice and all that. 
So he'd be like, hey, Jake, we got a show coming up. You want to play guitar or you want to mix us? And then he subbed for Mike on bass for a few shows. He's played like right, five instruments, including sound, <laughs> over the course of Darla. <laughs> Jesus. Well, from an outside perspective, at least from my perspective, it's hard not to compare your music and also the the uh, the ins and outs of people coming in and out. The yeah. Snarky Puppy. It's really hard not. <laughs> it's really hard not to compare the horn lines and yeah. and also the the band arrangements. Is that kind of what like a trickle down effect of inspiration, or is that just kind of where you ended up, or was this actually the goal of Darla? Well, uh, I th- I think it's definitely a shared influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say. I mean. The the influences that got us to you know being a band were very 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 different than what we sound like. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. we were all playing in different bands in the the West Philly basement DIY show scene. Yeah. And so I, I was playing bass in a punk band. Mike was playing bass in a in a punk. Jake was me, Mike, and Jake were all bands. playing yeah. bass in, in punk, punk bands. bands. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jake was playing guitar. Yeah, yeah, we were all we, we all kind of like realized. Oh, hey, we all like funk music. Yeah, I think so. when when Mike was putting this band together, he and Richie were playing in like an indie rock band, mm-hmm. and Mike really wanted to flex kind of his uh, instrumental funk shoes again. I guess that's like always where he wanted to end up. So he wrote a bunch of demos, and then it was like a three piece the first time. But I think for him, when he first pitched it to us, he was like, "Yeah, I want this like big band, kind of like Snarky Puppy." And he, sh- I mean, he showed me Snarky Puppy. I think he showed Richie Snarky Puppy, probably. So that was like definitely our earliest like like uh, roadmap, yeah, oh, inspiration. Okay. No, I was always curious, especially with uh, the arrangements. So Mike, who was the bass player right. in the band, it, he wrote all the compositions, correct? In the in the beginning, yeah, in the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah. Okay, so my, I wanted to know. Was he always the composer for the band for the first few records, or after the first like couple demos, did you guys eventually start putting in your own uh, um, works? Or? So after the first couple demos, it it was still I think Mike was still the primary sort yeah. of bringer of he was, ideas. He was the captain. So what's uh, a, what? Which albums does that include? That um, includes your first record, yeah, which so is uh, uh, movies, 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 movies. That's yeah. So he wrote he wrote everything on movies, movies, movies. He wrote everything on Darla Forever, and then Let Darla Be Darla was him and Will, and then I snuck a song in there. Um, that Mike wrote half of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and then after that, we started getting more more collaborative. But for for a long time, it was like Mike's band, and he didn't he didn't treat us that way like it was Mike's band. Mm. But he was like the captain that if we were all or when we were inevitably all squabbling over a part, Mike was like the the hammer it, for a big group like you guys, especially when you were I guess you were an eight piece at that point. Uh, yeah. So right. to have somebody who was, you know, you guys were very democratic, but you always had that lead voice to be like, no, right. this is bullshit, here's what we're doing. Right. It's very nice. At oh, least, yeah. at least it, the group agrees. I'm sure there were times where you didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, it's... but we were all relieved that it was over. Right. <laughs> it was like, it, like the decision was made. Now I can right. move on to the next thing. Oh, yeah. Instead of keeping the squabbling going, everyone has to let it go, right? Right. That's yeah. the one thing some people don't understand, some of our listeners that, don't, that aren't in bands. And they just like music. They don't understand, especially when it comes to a bigger group. If there's no even quietly mentioned leader, the thing can fall apart. Oh, Trying yeah. to keep it oh, too yeah. democratic. Uh, a rehearsal can end pretty or devolve pretty quickly if you if you can't move past a subject where there's not unanimous right. agreement. Mm-hmm. Like it, like if if you can't get past, you know, 
something where, you know, even if you don't even have a majority of anyone agreeing on the same thing, you still need to get through it if yeah. you want to be productive at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like we've gotten to a point now where, now that we're an even six and also... I don't really feel like there is any one person at this point that is like kind of that lead decision maker or like makes the decision on if we're arguing about something or whatever. So we just have to kind of come to a place where we know we've gotten as far as we can on that song for today. And then like if we were trying two things, maybe we'll record it both ways and listen back to it and yeah. talk about it next time. Yeah. Or, But it's at this point, it's kind of just like we have to know when... Yeah, we, we've gotten as far as we can on that idea for right, the day. Right. We don't all agree. We're gonna like take a break from it. Oh, so we're work on something you else. Move and... more to a group uh, dynamic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say. Oh, yeah. I would say at this point. Yeah. yeah. Right. Especially we choose to table something. You know, come like readdress it again. Yeah. With with a fresh mindset, yeah. but it like keeps us moving before it really like throws the brakes on yeah. on, on our practice. I feel like the first oh no moment we realized after Mike left was. Like, oh, boy, there's only six of us now. There's no tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. Like, before that, <laughs> even if things were still tense when we got to a decision, we got to a decision because inevitably one side would have four people. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there was, like, some plotting and scheming around that. And, but now it's there's six. It's and, like freaking uh, the government. Everyone's trying to plot each other. We were, right. And it's, <laughs> you call in your hairdresser be like, come on, give us the extra right, vote. Exactly. And the huge West Wing fans that we are, you know, yeah. we obviously Oh, I love to... the West Wing. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love the so West Wing. They didn't let us do it on this last album but every album before that has a West Wing reference I know I saw um, yes. the keys uh, 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 Claudia, Claudia Jean where my keys yes and uh, I didn't catch the other one so I'm gonna have to go back um, or maybe you can just tell our yeah. audience now so, Dallas Morning News Dallas Morning News and that actually has a West Wing sample in it oh we, it like, does take, we take episode audio I know that that's your most listened right. to track we licensed it, it for is. sure <laughs> I, and I think a lot of people have said they found it somehow because of like that yeah. West Wing reference we had, we, had people, we had people who work at the Dallas right. Morning News tweet at us, tweet at us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I knew that. Danny, Danny Kincannon. Yeah. You have to go down there. You have to go do like just a morning show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're like, hey. just, just tour through Dallas a couple times and <laughs> right. like, do the circle. It's that big. You probably yeah. could. You're like, hey, you guys want to bring us down there? Like, they're like, let us know when you get here. <laughs> sure. And then, hey, you could uh, go see all the guys at Snarky yeah. Puppy. I mean, just saying. And then yeah, we did one, um, the, these few years these on Dollar Rolls of Dice was that one. And then. This uh, this the last album we were going into doing all the names, and I had a couple choice West Wing references. Oh, and the name of the the record, "Let Darla Be Darla." Oh, "Let Darla Be Darla." Let Darla Be Bartlett. And the the cover art of that is Darla at like a presidential podium. I did, or I guess the alien, yeah, Joe Darla, whatever its name is, the cartoon. Yeah, and then but on this last record, I had some good contenders, and a few of the guys were like, "Hey." Listen, uh, most of us don't watch the West Wing, so we don't. Can we not force a West Wing reference? I was like, I guess, uh, so. I guess so. But guys, okay, I'll bring I will, it back. I will tell you guys this: you guys have some clever fucking names. I <laughs> love the names. Uh, what is it? Uh, the one that mentions Will Smith. Oh, uh, I think it's movie. It, it parentheses that with which Will Smith asks you get jiggy. Yes, <laughs> and then that. it's it is the next track. Right, that's yeah. so good. Or it's it part, like, it part two. Excuse me. Yeah. Right. I think that's so funny. I would I wish more bands played around, especially instrumental bands. We play a little bit, but right. like but like, you know, Muscle Tough does the same thing and, and I know that out of the beard space that's like some clever ass names. Yeah. But um so when you guys were recording the first couple records under um uh, what was it called? Your uh your production. Uh Darla, Darla Hood Productions. That's yeah. right. Now, was that the same case? Were you guys pretty democratic or did Mike 
uh, have um, a pretty clear vision of how you guys were recording. Even so, through those first few records. Yeah, so that was, I think... Or was that um, you too? Me, me and Jake, I think, did most of the early, like, f- most of the actual recording. Because yeah. Mike was doing more of, music like, the direction. music direction and, like, production. But all three of us were the same class and were, like, all audio engineers. So we, we did them pretty collaboratively. Anything we ever did live in the studio, back then, Jake was at the boards. Uh-huh. Um but the, when at, at Darla's infancy, Mike had come to me, and he's like, hey, I have a couple of funk demos. The band was him, Richie, and this one, our original guitarist, just a three-piece, and he asked if I would record them for him. And I was like, oh, absolutely. I'm a, like a sophomore at recording school. This is perfect. <laughs> and uh, so we did those, that, and that became most of Movies, 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 just the three of them. Uh, and then shortly after that... I lied to him that I could play keys because he needed a keys player, and I knew the songs. I was like, I'll spend spend the whole vacation learning the songs, get to play keys. I tricked him, and it worked. But uh, so yeah, we were we were doing all like the recording stuff at Drexel up to that point. I, that was a roundabout answer. Darla's I a think, bunch of but, tricksters lying about all these yeah. instruments. Yeah, that play. hold on, yeah. we have to talk about this. Very, How many instruments very, do y'all say you play? Very dishonest. Well, Will plays all of our instruments better than we do. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen Will at uh, the Grape Room Jam Sessions go and play everything up there, and I giggle every time he moves <laughs> because it's just like, I can't do that. I'm just going to watch <laughs> just, yeah. and just laugh. But that's really funny. Do you guys um, still play? Mike's tunes, even though he's no longer with you guys. Yeah. Yes. It's is that like he's okay with it? I know. Oh yeah. 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 I still live with Mike too. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. So that loser. Why did, <laughs> <laughs> why, did uh, why did that happen? He just um, had to move on in life and. Yeah, a lot of it was like we we had a particularly busy touring year mm-hmm. like last year, and you know, waking up in weird smelling motel rooms is not the life for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had actually. He had, like, kind of told us about a year before that that, like, that's not entirely the direction he wanted to go in. But he, like, wrote it out with us until... At least he was honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was... Everything about the, like, the exit was, like, smooth and and clean. We totally understood. He actually played guitar for us at a show recently. He subbed in for Brendan. Yeah. Because he knew the songs. So he came and he played guitar uh, because we had already replaced him on bass. (laughs) In your infancy... You met, funny you mentioned touring in your infancy and kind of like in the middle of like I, I know you're not a very old band and neither are we but like from your infancy to kind of the middle of your uh, how long you've been around have you found any uh, really good markets for your type of music other than Philly um, we do fairly yeah. well in like Richmond and Charlottesville and Roanoke Virginia but I was always curious kind of like what your music uh, did well in yeah. whatever market or whatever I city going I feel like going down south People are just always more receptive to to bands without vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, like we did, we did two nights in Charleston, Charleston and the North Charleston, and both of those shows are just like at really bars. Good. We didn't know anyone. And what we, was the Charleston venue? Um, the, uh, the one, the first house? one was the Charleston Poorhouse, and yeah. the other one was in North Charleston, and I think it was called the Mill. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, but well, was even surprised yeah. by himself <laughs> for the the for the Poorhouse though. Some people listening familiar with North Carolina's music scene might think we're bigger than we are. We played, like, the outside deck at the poorhouse. The poorhouse is actually inside, like, a 600, 700-person room that was really cool. Uh, (laughs) We we were, like, the pre-show for the show inside. Oh, that's cool. All, like, the outside deck. Yeah, and it was... I forget who was playing, but they were kind of in our... It was a uh, Marley tribute, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, all uh, instrumental thing. we, We played... It was outside, and it was... 
fe- Jan- late January, and we were playing outside in probably 45-degree weather. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. There was one space heater. It was very cold. <laughs> was it like one of those uh, tree heaters? No. It was just no, like a little block? It was block. one of those. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of near one person on the stage and everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Who got it, though? Uh, probably the saxes. That there, makes sense. And there was still no hope for the saxes being in tune <laughs> yeah. because our horns were so cold. That was a, that was a funny Can one. I tell you a horror story? Well, we just – actually, two horror stories. Me and Mark just recently played a uh, shopping mall. What was it? What mall was it again? <laughs> The Saucon Valley Promenade, Promenade Shops, whatever, in uh, Lehigh Valley. It was Dude. high class. <laughs> it, it was, I can tell. It, did Dude, like, it was 34 degrees, oh, no. and we were playing Christmas tunes, and we're like jackets and stuff. I can't feel my hands. It, Neither can he. It was it's, miserable. It was terrible. Describe how your keys felt. Like. It, it, well, dude, my hands hurt. Yeah. They hurt. It was, they weren't, I wasn't even cold anymore. I was in pain. We we like st- we stopped early too, right? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. there was nobody yeah. out there. <laughs> Even like people were like, "Why are you playing? Why are you outside right, right now?" <laughs> Even the people who hired us were like, "Why are you still here?" <laughs> but um, no, the cold is brutal. But that's interesting. We we um, haven't done too much. Actually, I don't think we've played Quick Carolina, have we, Mark? Have we played Carolina? Uh, we played Winston Salem once. That's right. We're, we're hitting Charleston on this next. The next That's right. Week, yeah, but, Char- Charleston's yeah. cool. Like the people there are awesome. And a- Asheville, I think we usually do pretty all right. Just the cities where people are down to go see yeah. music. You know, it's like Philly. You know, mm-hmm. people will just go to a show for for the sake of going to a show. I, I would say we've been we've been up north a lot more times than we've been down south. And in terms of places we've been able to hit consistently and and do pretty well has been. I mean, New York's been one, I think, partly due to the fact that Costa and Richie are from that the area. Well, they got a draw. Yeah, we got the there. family draw. But then, you know, when we when we usually go up to Providence, Rhode Island, it's nice. It's nice. Um, we've played Nashua, New Hampshire a couple times. And, you know, while the crowd might not be as large, the, the interest... Yeah. Among that smaller crowd is like very, very, very good. That's really very cool. attentive. Yeah. yeah, you guys would do really well at foam. We played. Oh, we have played foam. Yeah. Oh, yes. really? Burling- yeah. We played Burlington a couple of times. That that was was going to be my yeah. other one because we usually hit that all in the same go. Yeah. Do you so guys like-, like it there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love the city and foam is awesome. I wish they gave you more than a charcuterie plate. For your yeah. <laughs> what yeah. bullshit was that? Right? Okay. You get there, you're like, what the that fuck is, is this? Yeah. Well, especially because there was seven of us. Right. And we yes. like sat down. <laughs> Did y'all right. laugh? Just like oh, we yeah. went, we went, you know, cheese slice for cheese slice on that yeah. thing. Because okay. they said in the advance that they had food, and so we were all hungry. We we're like, oh, we'll save our money and we'll eat there. They're right. going to give us food, and we get there. Dave was starving. I just particularly <laughs> remember that Dave kept asking about food. But like they'll have it at the venue, and we get there, they bring Boy, over we... this little charcuterie tray, and <laughs> there's a great music scene there. You go see all the cool right, venues. Yeah. And people were great. And all the that. cheese was not filling, but you know, Burlington <laughs> overall net positive. That's the opener. That's that's, that's the end. Of the... <laughs> I feel that's like so funny. We always have a fun time playing in those like smaller rooms that aren't really meant for a band as big as we are especially when we were seven pieces for some yeah. reason six feels so much smaller than seven uh but yeah like play it as a seven piece in foam or there's another bar in burlington we played that was the garage the garage is that what it's called yeah. yes i haven't but heard of that one it's always it's a fun new, time like trying to it's get two blocks, the songs right? across while also trying to play as quietly right. as we can it's the worst right <laughs> yeah and we're we're particularly loud too. <laughs> us too um, That's right. Hell yeah. Have you been? To, have you guys? We used to have to play this place called Manhattan Pizza and Pub. 
Mm-hmm. It's uh, right in downtown, like on the strip mall there for the college. And the stage is like shaped like a pizza. So it's like 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 exactly like a pizza would. It's got the V and then it's got the, like the round end. And I would have to go in the corner and have no toms. Bass drum, <laughs> snare drum, hi hat, ride. The stage is literally just drums and my Leslie. Yeah, and, every, and they're oh, on the floor. floor. <laughs> the dance floor yeah. And there's only three of us. I couldn't even imagine you guys in that. Oh yeah, room. we've had we've had some pretty 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 tight shows. Where it's what, just was like what was the worst? What was the worst? Because there's seven of you, and there's horns, and there's space constrictions. Like everyone, yeah. in the beginning, Mike and you were playing keys, right? Like, yeah. So me and Mike had one song where we where we would switch bass and keys. Uh, I don't know why we did that. It was it. But, it was yeah, that it was with it. which right. Will Smith asked yeah, you to get Yeah, that was my, my big debut was I played bass on our video for, for it. That's <laughs> awesome. So cool. But I, when, when you say what's the worst or smallest worst stage, situation yeah. – we started playing like our first shows are a lot of most of our i don't know yeah. we were a band for 2 years without playing uh, a, real a real venue we were playing basements and so okay. we were literally in crammed in the yeah. the the basement <laughs> yeah. of a, a West Philly row home and there's seven of us and yeah. everyone's you know my saxophone just has like Sweat condensation yeah. on it. No shit. And it's like we're all crammed in. So we we actually started to get comfortable in that environment. Yeah. It took it took us a long time to adjust to be able to play on like a real side stage where we're not like on top of each other because that yeah. was always our thing in basements. It's just like oh cool, we don't even have enough room to like turn around. This is perfect. Like mm-hmm. right, and and I think it contributed to the vibe and and the sort of. I don't know the the vibe that we had on stage, and and we played better because of it. Because then you know the the big jump was you know we were playing basements, and then you know we won a contest through Artmore Music Hall to open for George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. All of a sudden, yeah. we're on a full size stage, and we're like, whoa! That was weird. And well, and then and then we also opened for uh, the Disco Biscuits at the Fillmore. Yeah, that was the and that, yeah, on that stage, each each of us had our own zip code. <laughs> And we're just like, what, yeah. what's happening? Plus, not only was that stage still probably the biggest stage we've ever played, um, but there was like no one in the room because you know no one knew who we were, and everyone was just you know. But people come to Disco Biscuit shows at like midnight, you know. So we're opening, right. not a lot of people there. The room was probably still like a third full. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a sold out show. So like to us, that we probably could see five people, but right. there were probably five hundred maybe just spread yeah. out. But so that is a big room. It, it yeah. felt like it was just like. Empty, you know, and that's like that's tough. But the craziest, it's like put the same amount of people in a basement and it's yeah. a party. <laughs> the worst part about that whole thing, we like got done with our set. We did not have a lot of music yet, and the Disco Biscuits tour manager came up to side stage and they're like, "All right, you got to, you play one more. Like they need more time. Play one more." Oh, and we were we were we had nothing else to play, so we were like, "Okay, we're gonna play one song twice. No one's gonna notice." And we just picked like the least uh, pop, the least. Good song. My my English is terrible. Today. We played the first song of our set last as well. Like, oh right, because we were oh, like, hoping oh. that the people that that weren't there at the beginning heard right. it there at the end. Oh okay, but it was, it's like the closer opening. Right, closer. but it was like not super a very energetic you know? song. <laughs> it was like super super chill, and we did not have all the kinks worked out on it. And uh, poor choice for a song for us to play twice. <laughs> our first time at the Fillmore. That's what baby bands do on yeah. stage. We made some, some crucial mistakes. That's so funny. I didn't realize that, that you guys are doing all basement shows. For, you said two years? Yeah. That's Probably. insane. I mean, we'll, so like we, 
uh, when was the George Clinton show? That was... 2015? And we started in January of 2013? Yeah, I think the George Clinton show was like maybe a year and change after we started playing stuff, really. Because it was right after Pretty Mess came out. Um, or we put Pretty Mess out like in the run up to the contest or whatever. Oh, we were about we were about like a year and a half old. Yeah, I would say. But but I mean, once we played the George Clinton show, that doesn't mean that didn't mean we started playing yeah. like clubs, like venues, yeah. clubs right. from we, then on we, out. We released Darla Forever at the Fire, so we were right. like doing that kind of thing. I guess that was like two years in. Yeah, and, and we we got comfy at Bourbon and Branch. That was like a really yeah. good spot for us. That's my my favorite place to play. Really? Like, in Philadelphia, yeah. that's your favorite Something, place? Something, the stage is, like, pretty small, and I feel like it always reminded me of playing in basements, yeah. where, like, every time, especially when we were seven people, we were so on top of each other that it just felt great, and that room is awesome because it's so narrow, just like a basement, so even if there's 30 people in there, it feels way bigger than uh, than a lot of other rooms that are, like, you know, more spread out, and so, you don't feel the, the mass the same way. Right, you prefer shotgun rooms as opposed to, like, yeah. wide... Uh, rooms. I mean, Armor Music Hall is the same thing. Yeah, Armor yeah, Music Hall is a shotgun room. It's funny. I, I would say if you if you asked us what our favorite Darla show was, even years after we stopped playing, Let's see what the answer is. Basement there. shows, it would be a basement show because the energy is like because the right of the there. energy. And we yeah. we probably didn't play the best set, but we still had the most yeah, fun. Yeah, that was the best part about basement shows. We got to figure out how to be a band because you know only half the people can probably hear it. The other half, <laughs> we were sandwiched in between. Punk, punk bands or like indie rock bands yeah. so we were the only band of, like yeah we were the odd ones out all the time we had no so vocals. we were like we were playing we like had... we didn't have anything we didn't have anyone to yeah. impress we didn't have anything to lose we were just having fun yeah. and, you know and we then we got people to mosh to funk music <laughs> <laughs> we got we 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 had a lot of tropes early on to right. like while we were figuring stuff out like we we covered you know we covered like the reason by Hoobastank. We did Arms Wide Open by Creed was a no, big one. No, you didn't. Yeah, we did How You Remind Me by Nickelback. That was fun. Um, uh, oh, uh, Zombie by the Cranberries. Zombies. Yeah, we did uh, that song, that Evanescence song, Bring Me to Life. Uh, yeah, and we did. Wait, we, wait. Yeah, so we would do like one of the, we would do a cover at the start and end of all of our sets, hoping that if we had a rough in between, people would just kind of forget about it. <laughs> they remember the cover, right? Yeah. And it, it worked for the most part. We also used to play. We used to play uh, Havana Gila in our set three times, each time for like only a little bit of it, and each time got faster. Increasing in speed. So like the third one was like, you know, stupid fast, but people liked it because everyone was drunk. And one of the shows we played, someone like crowd surfed to it. And no. that was that was that was really wild. That's really fun. Yeah, because we're it was it was blazing fast. Lo- yeah, really lots of little of basement trips. Like our our this, the cover that we would close one set with, we would open the next set with, and then close with a new cover and yeah. have it just be like an ongoing thing. Darla Law, the Havana Gila thing. Would you uh, call it Darla Law? Oh, Darla Law. Yeah, there's a set of Darla Law that is constantly changing. But <laughs> that, that is Darla Law one. Was you you open your set with the the cover you ended with last time. That was the first rule we had as, like, a band. <laughs> we actually had a discussion recently that most of the Darla Laws don't make sense, or they'll, like, change in application, which, like, if you could do a thing one of two ways, they'll say Darla Law to both ways that you could do. <laughs> but so when I, when I first got in the band, they said that all the time, and I just, like... I tried to pick up on what they were talking about, but I just, like... You just nodded. It just like, never yeah. really made sense to me. And we, like, maybe only two or three months ago, someone 
one of the older guys brought up that like they always change around the meaning of Darla and I was like, yeah, just so you guys know, I never knew what you were referring to. I always, <laughs> that was always over yeah. my head. And I just the original, sort of <laughs> so the actual musical Darla Law that we use, that we refer to most often in practice is Darla Law means that the intro of a section, if, say say you're you know going through a progression eight times, the intro to that section is not counted towards the amount of progressions of that section. Oh, I love that. So yeah. so like. You do you play the intro, and then once you're in the section, that's one. You don't right. you don't count the transition as one of the prog- progressions. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes we would deviate from that, but whenever we in in order to communicate that clearly to everyone, we would just say Darla Law, right. and we wouldn't have to say, oh, well, don't count it towards the eight. So right. like that's one. And usually we understood each other. Well, also real fast uh, in terms of leading a band on stage, Bill, you're in the front. And you're the, like you old one of the older members in the band. You're in the front. Are you usually directing, like in terms of cues and things like that, or is it more like same thing, like a democratic? No, no. I mean, nothing. Most, I, I would say, every song is very pre-planned out. I wouldn't say there's much improvisation in terms of the lengths of sections. Yeah. Okay. Um, and anywhere we, that does exist, I would say that. Richie, who is the drummer, will kind of yeah. tell us where we're going in terms of like he'll. How this, this, the section will be set up such that like he will give us the like progression of sort of drum beats that he's going to do, and he'll say yeah. like I'm going to do this to sort of get us to the next uh-huh. kind yeah. of drum beat. Or it's cued like, by yeah. fills mainly. Yeah, I would say. Fills. I mean, yeah. no, no, no. We, we do something very similar with one of our songs. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. That way, it doesn't look like somebody's like just waving their hands up in the mm. air. Okay, that right. makes sense. Less messy. Oh yeah, I I don't think I've I don't think any of us have really given you know hand cues that the whole band's relied on. Right. I, I mean, think we're all. It, it's mainly the the map is already there. Yeah. This the length of solos is basically already there. Yeah. Every um, every now and again we play like a like a jibber jazz kind of festival mm-hmm. and we have to fill all this time. Normally like like uh, and we Will call them or, jibber versions. Right. Of we, songs. Jibber forms <laughs> where we just double everything. <laughs> The, uh, so normally on those, like, Will, and then a lot of times, like, Jake used to, we would just give them, like, kind of open-ended things. And so now that he has, like, a clip on, he'll be more likely to turn around and give us, like, the big cue. But yeah, I think Richie a lot. And Mike Mike used to do that from time to time. Mostly when he felt like we were swaying in our tempo. He would just, like, start, like, swinging his headstock to what the what the tempo should be to let us know that we were not on his time. <laughs> started watching back footage and realizing that we were playing all of our songs stupid fast like mm-hmm. we were playing them, all of them way faster than they should be we're like well we budgeted for a 50 minute set we got off stage in 35 minutes how do we do that <laughs> everything's it's at like, lightning speed yeah everything was blazing. we have something similar as you know some of our tunes you know we have a couple beers things happen and we have one particular <laughs> song called sick bra which uh, on the recording version is like, and live is very much like a Mario when he gets the star. But it's fast, and then like we don't care. We've done it a thousand times. Everyone's like, "Holy shit!" 
Um, you know, it's funny. You guys mentioned a lot of jam band festivals and like jam bands that you've opened for. Would you consider yourself a part of that scene? Uh, I would say so. It's it's funny. We were we went from basements to playing more uh, like clubs, bars in Philly, and we were still not yet playing with bands that sounded like us even at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we were just playing with bands that we liked and that complemented each other in more of an indirect kind of way. But it was kind of like when we played our first Jibber Jazz that we found a lot of people who were interested in the stuff we were playing, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't say we expected. Really? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it was mainly because... We wouldn't consider ourselves a jam band, and I think just for some reason the the fact you know our music doesn't have vocals, yeah. it's it's pretty improvisational or like you know melodically driven. Right. Uh, I think that's that's what like lends ourselves to a more more of a jam band kind of ear. Yeah. And I think then you know we started getting invited to more of those, and that's kind of like where we found. A, a good chunk of the people who listened to us, yeah. which which was awesome. It was great, you know. Jibber Jazz was the first time we we were playing like like Costa said like thirty five minute forty five minute sets, and then we had to fill two and a half hours yeah. at Jibber Jazz, and we were like, Jeez. how are we going to do this? Yeah, right. I feel like yeah, we're definitely a part of like the jam band scene, but it didn't come natural right. to us we would, we're, like, we're largely like a solo band more than a jam band where we, we definitely take liberties in our arrangement but rarely in its structure mm-hmm. so like we might like no two shows I would say are ever like the same especially like if Richie's having a fun night like a lot of sections <laughs> are gonna ch- kind of change the vibe but all of our counts are always like pretty pretty much the same like our form is already mapped out and we're pretty like locked yeah, into we that. won't hit a section and be like alright we're just gonna jam on this right because, you know, that's not that's We're not, not that what smooth we... at that. We're not the smoothest at that. But it's fun. <laughs> it sounds fun. But the reason, another reason why I ask is um, I didn't get to see your set, but I know that you were part of Live from the Lot um, mm, yeah. opening yeah. for, uh, well, I guess, was Soul Live on that date too? Yeah. It was, it was Soul Live, it was Snarky Puppy, yeah. and it was... Um... <laughs> we sound, we sound checked while Snarky Puppy was on the opposite yeah. stage. And then they, so they sound got... checked way louder when <laughs> we were rapping. And up. way better. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the more important part. <laughs> yeah. That was... That was cool. We had that, like, I feel like in our bio for so long after that, it was just like, you know, open for Snarky Puppy, because it's, it's not a lie. We, we did, we did play, play right before, right before them. Before them. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar experience. That I was playing Xfinity Live on Cajon with the singer-songwriter, and it and there's this big stage outside. It's the Xfinity Center. You ever yeah. Play? Oh, you yeah, yeah. And then you see the big stage. Um, I'm looking like... I go to the bartender, like, who's that? Oh, that's the Hooters. <laughs> oh. So for a long time, I've been debated. Well, technically, I was in the inside part of the bar. They're on the outside, so right, I don't know. Yeah. I'm open for the Hooters. Oh, it counts. <laughs> but you know what's fun? Share with these people, because I don't think some people understand. What are the positive and negatives of being a purely instrumental band? Um, so Name your songs, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge positive. <laughs> um, the I think the worst negative is after you play a show, and someone comes up to you, and they're like, hey. That was really great. I really enjoyed that. But have you ever you thought, thought of getting a singer? <laughs> We've heard that so many yeah, times. That's like, oh my all of our parents like, will be perpetually disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, that was so much fun. But, you know, maybe if you had some vocals, we're like, yeah, we've thought about it. You know, it's, it's cool. 
Right. We might maybe maybe one day next time. Right. <laughs> How many times have we said that? We might tour with the singer next time we come through. Dude, every every day. <laughs> yeah, because it's like. Yeah. You can sing melodies too. You just got to pay a little bit more attention. There, there was one time before you were in the band, we played this club in upstate New York, and we, we played like our third song. And some dude from the back of the bar goes, "Sing something, goddammit. it!" <laughs> it was an Irish bar. Man. Yeah, great. It's gonna be a great night. We actually added a couple uh, Irish tunes, a couple covers that our guitar player Brendan can sing on yeah. for like. When, when we end up in more of a bar scenario that, like, it's helpful to rope people back yeah. in with the vocals, so, we'll, like, we'll throw yeah. we'll throw those songs and, in. And when we used to play all those covers, like Creed and Nickelback and all that, we always had vocals for those. Our alto sax player at the time, even though Brendan was a good and competent singer, for some reason we decided that our alto sax player <laughs> was going to be the singer <laughs> for those songs. That's awesome. And, it, and like it worked, but it was definitely, we were not putting our best singer forward for that. Like, <laughs> that, that was, was part of the charm, though. You were like, right. let's see how this goes. Yeah. And I that was, love it. And Will used, to, yeah, Will used to play keys on all those, because I couldn't learn them quick enough, so I played some tambourine. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't heard Will play well, keys. Well, then we have, we have uh, covers <laughs> where <laughs> we have covers where the vocal melody is played by the saxophones right. so like people will start playing we do peg by steely dan we'll start playing it and everyone get really excited and then like you know the melody comes in on saxophone yeah and then you know most people are like oh cool and they're usually not yeah did it sing along yeah yeah I, mo- we we We've gotten trapped into playing Whipping Post for like four years now, uh, and that's us like saxes sing. You got you can't see the quotes, but they air quote sing Whipping Post. Uh, we also put a video out for that. Yeah, for well, Post. and, and yeah. when Costa says we got trapped into playing, it became our most popular YouTube video, right? And oh. you know, we we started getting that was like the most heavily requested song yeah. of ours was our instrumental cover of Whipping Post. Yeah. And it's you know everyone where loves the verses are solos and, and yeah. we just play the chorus melody. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 like annoying at this point where we know if we get to a show and we know we have a long set and we can kind of see in the crowd if we are going to have to play Whipping Post that night. <laughs> um, but it's I. I the only thing I love about still playing that song is that when it does get to the chorus, like everybody sings it, and oh, they're yeah. very loud about it, and so that's that's really fun because we don't get people singing stuff back at us very often. Yeah, it's more of like, oh, we got to play this again, and then we play, it, and then I was like, okay, that's right, and it's like a smashing success. Hey, actually, can I propose something to you guys? We actually play with the post. Oh yeah, really? so you let's do. It. Let's no, no. no. <laughs> I was saying let's share it. I don't want to oh. have it. I want to say let's share it for evening. Fuck off. <laughs> so, I'll say let's do something together. Yeah. We gotta play a show yeah. and both play Whitman Post. We let's do it. Uh, yeah. Super Jam, uh, probably not on Milk Boy or anything. <laughs> Bigger stage, please. I don't want to have ten of us, or no, it would be nine of us up on that one uh, stage. Right. But that's so funny, yeah. man. Uh, it's nice to talk to another instrumental band because you guys understand kind of what we go through as Hambo anyway. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 all like the singer bit. But the one thing that's nice is that like there's usually no drama. Yeah. And right. Everybody mm-hmm. kinda gets what's happening. Yeah. I mean in the band, not not the audience. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. That's cool.
latest record, Dear Darla, which is phenomenal, by the way. Thank you. Uh, they recently just did with legendary producer and engineer Phil Niccolo, and he's a, what's a, he's a part of what's called the Butcher Brothers. Him and his brother are yeah. called the Butcher Brothers in Philly, and they're wonderful producers. And I got to ask. You guys all have audio experience in like engineering and producing, I'm sure, with different bands. What was it like to work with him? Did you learn any nuggets of wisdom oh, from yeah. Phil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it was it was really wild when he when we first found out that he even was like interested in working with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was a aside from you know the fact that we're working with like a, a legendary person for a lot of us it was like we could watch all the things he was doing in the studio and learn all this stuff and like watch him produce and engineer but for me i feel like the biggest thing was since we were all engineers before that when it would come to doing records everyone had an opinion and everyone had a better way to do it right. than the other person so by the time we got to like the final product there was so much like input and like changes made from people so when we got to phil none of us were going to question what he's doing because he knows way more than we do right he just goes how many hits do i have sorry uh... yeah exactly <laughs> so it was like cool we don't have to squabble about like sonic decisions now mm-hmm. phil is going to mm-hmm. decide for us and you're also on his record label yeah or you still are i assume yeah yes okay. yeah we so were it was it was actually out of phil Phil's desire to start his own label, Phil's right. Records, that he sort of just wanted to, you know, give a big middle finger to the industry and just say, I'm, I'm going to put out music from bands that I like. I don't care if it's yeah. commercially viable. I don't care, you know, how many people like it. I'm just going to put it out because I like it. Yeah. And that was sort of, we started working with him and then we were the, the first release, the, um, on Phil's the Darla Rolls the Dice EP was the first release on Phil's records. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was awesome. And I think what what they were saying about what Phil brings to the table recording-wise, I think it's the intangible. Like, I mean, and oh, I also, yeah. I'm not one of the the studio engineers that, you know, mixes or I'm, I'm more the, the business concentration kind mm-hmm. of thing. But, uh, you know, Phil knew when a take had it and when it didn't. Yeah. And he was able to tell us that pretty quickly where I think we would sort of, you know, hyperanalyze like, Oh, I made these many mistakes here and this person made these mistakes or whatever. But Phil was able to just give us an analysis of, or just a, here's how that take felt. Right. It's like, there's no reason why, or there's, you know, I can't point to specific things. It's just, here's the energy or here's what I got from that. Yeah. And I think that opinion or that, voice while it while it wasn't highly technical or you know what you might expect from from a producer of his caliber it was like probably one of the mo- most helpful things we could have heard definitely was everybody pretty open to his suggestions i mean obviously he has credentials yeah. oh, yes. but i mean like i didn't know if anybody yeah. got hard headed about it no, oh, no, yeah. no 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 he he has a really great way of like talking us through that process especially like if you know you get a couple takes deep on something, you're not feeling great. Everyone's kind of getting a little tense and in their head, and and he's just awesome at keeping the keeping the train going. If if there's like a decision that gets made, kind of making us think that we made that decision, and you know, make steering us away from bad decisions, like yeah, it's, and keeping uh, the vibe light, like yeah, like we're we're kind of like if we're kind of like beating up on ourselves about like oh we get like we haven't nailed this one yet. And we take a little bit of a break, and I was like, "All right, how about a good one this time?" Or like, like, <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. you know, pile it on. We'll be like, "Oh yeah, you're right." <laughs> yeah. you Plus, know? now it's awesome 
ever since we started working for him, he's I mean he's pretty much like a member of the band at this point. He he'll come to a bunch of our shows and do front of house for us. So like he did front of house for us at Ardmore and Milk Boy, which was kind of funny. And then uh, he has this big like Fourth of July party with his family. And last year or the year before, we went out and played like a you know two hour set there, and it was uh, so we get a lot of FaceTime with him when we're not in the studio. Where we're like, hey, here's this brand new song. What do you think of it? He's like, all right, well, change this, this, and fix this, and we got a hit, kid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we Don't tell just... me he says that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he, he probably has at some point. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, Sorry, we... Sorry, Phil. Yeah, <laughs> we get him throughout, like, the whole process now, which is which is really awesome. That's really cool. And you can definitely see uh, his touch on your music now, for sure, yeah. right? Yeah. Genuinely, for that, sure. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that you guys see it, too. Um, I was going to ask, does he told you any good nuggets or good stories? <laughs> Too many. Studio? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Can you, can you share one with us? Oh, my gosh. Um, hmm. If you remember one. It, that is a good what's, question. What's a, suita- what's a podcast suitable uh, uh, story? <laughs> oh, well, I guess this is – this one's pretty – I guess it's, this isn't like a – like a bad story for anyone, but there was a while, I guess Motown just did a bunch of new releases of old unreleased stuff. Yeah. Um, and Phil mixed a bunch of those things. So one of the, we were going to the studio one day and we get there and he was like, Hey, do you guys want to hear this like unreleased Marvin Gaye cover of a Stevie wonder song? Like, yeah, yes. definitely. <laughs> and he like just pulls it up and he's going track by track and like going through like how they recorded it, like what it was sounding like. Cause he's got to remix it or whatever. There were a few times during that process where we got to walk in and just hear these like you know stems from these Motown albums that were perfect and never released because they were slightly less perfect than That's the other stuff. Mm, yeah, he he would also tell us stories about you know how um, you know when when he was building you know their first studio and everything right. and he was you know sleeping on the floor and it had like how he he met Bon Jovi and started yeah. working with him like there's so many you know sort of stories from the ground up that that Phil was involved in it was pretty it's pretty crazy yeah. he's got no shortage of stories I'm sure no no shortage at all I got to go in once for this uh this artist called Lauren Hart uh, yeah she's a singer oh, yeah. for the mm-hmm. Flyers yeah and I went in and they were like getting ready to pre-production I just got to sit in there um I think they I think she eventually went with like his band from in-house but it was still cool to be in that studio oh, yeah. it's the one in Conchi, right yeah Conchi studio Hall. four yeah yeah that's a great studio and there's so much history on those walls oh yeah oh yeah. yeah there's like a you know channel tape from like you know bob dylan sessions yeah. in there like i think it's always crazy too because i mean will will yip is like always cutting records in there and the last couple times that we went in well we did dollar rolls the dice we were in there at the same time as the Menzingers were, and that was like really cool for me getting to see them. And then so far this time has been like the Deftones were there once, and Caspian was there when we were doing a thing. That's really and cool. it's just like you have to walk through the A room to get to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're just kind of rubbing shoulders with these people mm-hmm. who like you really look up to. And I'm too nervous to talk to any of them, but like we're in the same space, we're <laughs> effectively peers for a day. <laughs> Should have gotten all the photos. That's so right. cool, man. Also, you know what? Congratulations to Acosta. He got a Grammy nomination. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. Uh, what was the artist that you uh, you uh, worked with? Gene Moore. That's really cool, man. Yeah, it's thank for you. a gospel, nomination for a gospel record. Yeah, got yeah, gospel album of the year. That's that's amazing, man. Yeah, Congratulations, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so go check that record out along with Darla's stuff. Um, I also have one question. Just maybe you each have an opinion, but who is your favorite 
artists to open for. You've opened for so many. I got the list here, but mm. I'd rather get it from you. Like the list included George Clinton and Parliament Fun- Funkadelic, Noah, the Disco Biscuits, George Porter, which I want to hear about after, Kamasi Washington, Bill Lawrence, Big Sam's Funky Nation, Corey Henry. Which is your favorite? Yeah. My favorite was Bill Lawrence. Um, Same. It was – we had just moved out to our house in Germantown, mm-hmm. and Richie had just started working for Ground Up, uh, the snarky label. And so – he found out that Bill Lawrence needed somewhere to rehearse before the show because it was the first show on the tour and their band had never met before. Oh, wow. Um, so Richie was like, hey, we have a studio at our house. They can come to our house. So all of a sudden, Richie, like, <laughs> Richie tells us that like, this is the case and uh, Bill Lawrence and his whole band come through and they practice in our practice space. They were in our house. Like, we had to hang out with them and talk to them. And, and then We're downstairs and they're upstairs rehearsing yeah. their entire set. Which was the, the day of the show, yeah, playing That's like nuts. You know, Bill Lawrence is and playing My to... Roads and My Amp, and you know, I'm all jazzed. And and then the next day, we opened for him, and it was an it was they're just an amazing band. And during his set, he said some really nice stuff about us and how like he saw a good like promise from us, and we reminded him of like their earlier days. Uh, and this is like at World Sold Out World Cafe Live. And uh, it was just, you know, super crazy and nice to hear that from someone of that caliber. So the fact that we got to meet him, hang out with him, and then, like, have something like that happen was, like, that's, like, one of my favorite shows we've ever played. That's really cool. No, I love that shit. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Do you guys have any plans for the new year? You have, like, nothing online. I was curious. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're in the midst of a new record right now. Yep. Um, we are in heavy writing mode. We actually just came from a writing session. Uh, oh no way! Yeah. To come here. Sorry to interrupt the the process. <laughs> no, not no, an interruption not at all. At all. Yeah. We we timing works out perfectly. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some uh, some new music in the new year for sure, and definitely uh, lots more shows being announced very soon. Are you guys planning on touring a little more? Or mm-hmm. Yeah. Does stick East Coast. Yeah, we're yeah we're working a lot of that out now, um, trying to go out a bunch in like the first like the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, we took right we, like Will said, we kind of took a step back for a second to really hone in on like writing the new album in our new configuration and, and our new sound and all that. Um, not that it's different from the old sound that people might like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry. Twenty twenty, we're gonna have a lot of cool cool stuff coming up. That's really awesome. All right, we're at the next segment of the podcast, though. It's the next segment. This is called Whip It Out, your cell phone. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at your last five Damn things you listen to. <laughs> last five things you listen to on your Spotify. We'll do it real fast. Okay. Because I know there's three of you. We'll be quick about it. Um, who wants to go first? Does for the gig count or no? You can count it. I kind of just want to do the ones that I've actually listened to for pleasure and not just to not learn. work. Not for, <laughs> for work. I mean, work. Playing music for work is pleasure, but. Um, oh, this one. This one, Dave recommended to me. The most recent was uh, a King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard album. <laughs> That's been recommended a lot. Uh, Great band. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, and super. You know, huge variety of sound. If you really dig it, like mm-hmm. five albums in twenty eighteen. I 
2017. Yeah, it was a year that they put out five albums in one year. This All particular this particular <laughs> one that I was pointed to uh, by Dave called Flying Microtonal Banana. <laughs> um, For the name more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course you guys did. Well, and also, like, oh, microtones, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and so I was, you know, I threw it on while, you know, I, we live in South Philly and I was parking. So I was like, all right, I got a good half hour to listen to some music. <laughs> um, yeah, especially and I made are. it through like a song and a half. First one was called Rattlesnake, um, and it, it was really cool. Like microtones are cool, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I thought it was weird as I was listening where it w- the the melodies were getting stuck in my head, but I couldn't replicate them if I was to sing them because I, my brain would just put it in its twelve tone system equivalent, <laughs> and I wouldn't right. be because I, I you know you, can't. you can hear it in your head, but you couldn't replicate it. Right, and even when I tried to remember the melody, I couldn't remember like the exact, like oh, this was a you know quarter tone sharp, quarter mm-hmm. tone flat of what I would think you know would be the note. Mm-hmm. Anyway, very interesting. All right, this should be fast, right? Number two is <laughs> <laughs> you're getting so deep, and everyone's like, okay. Uh, the other one was the new Tyler the Creator album, Igor. Mm-hmm. I really liked Flower Boy, so I wanted to check out the new one. Um, Father of the Bride, the new Vampire Weekend album, because that was highly recommended. I think they're playing like a stripped down thing down in Philly at some point via 104.5. That would be cool. I think it's happening sometime soon. Anyway, go on. Mm. Oh, um, let me see. Well, it doesn't even take me that far back. Uh, oh, Spotify's uh, Cosmic Playlist for uh, Cancers, which I am a cancer. <laughs> uh, really? They have that? I, yes. Uh, no. Yeah. No. Spotify has. Better believe. They have, you better believe. I'm looking up uh, Capricorn ca- playlist. Yeah, no, they have one. Do you feel like it matches your personality? It did not at all. <laughs> um, no. I. You were just curious. How long did you last? Uh, I mean, I I skipped a lot. You know, there was uh, I don't know Dua Lipa. A lot of artists that I don't recognize. It was. Oh, there was a Maggie Rogers song in there that I like. Alicia Keys. Maggie too. Rogers is great. But yeah. um, a lot of it was just, I don't know. I, I, they, and they give you like a, um, an explanation or like your, your horoscope before you watch it or before you start listening. And so I think it was like, you know, find your, your pleasures or something. So it was like a very like suggestive playlist. Mm-hmm. Um you know, can, that can I you wasn't particularly people, into at the time. So, you know, can you pe- yeah. believe people get paid to make that? <laughs> yeah. Somebody got paid to make that playlist <laughs> yeah. and oh, put yes. that horoscope in. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one, I think I had re-listened to some Anderson Pack, And then, oh, this one song called Bombs Over Beats by Jazz Spastics. It's like, I don't know it's that It's like group. sort of like uh, hip-hop beats underneath jazz music. Mm. <laughs> All right, David, go. All right. Most recent five are Unknown Moral Orchestra, Ellen Siberian Tiger. Did uh, you guys just back her up or something? Uh, or did Richie, Richie, Richie plays no, drums. Richie for her. plays drums. Yeah. And, oh, okay. Yeah. If you haven't heard Ellen Siberian Tiger, yeah. check them out. That's probably yeah. definitely my That's... favorite Philly band, and also just one of my favorite bands right now. I've yeah. been listening to uh, everything mm-hmm. that they have on yeah. Spotify, just like nonstop for the last two weeks. They have great, amazing great songs. Uh, this is Crosby, Stills, and Nash playlist. Kurt Vile and Elliot Smith. Those are my oh, nice. most the, recent five. That's a good duet record. I like that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, anyway. Costa. Uh, so, my last five. Uh, 
the new Fork album, Four, which is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Out on a Limb by Naughty Professor. Amazing Ooh, album. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Live at the Capitol Theater, Dopapod's like, recent live record. That was really cool. Origin by Jordan Reiki or Rakai. Rakai. Jordan Rakai. Yeah, however yeah. you pronounce his I name. I don't know that artist. His last album, Origin, is super oh, cool. Sweet, you should check sweet. it out. Okay. You saw it at the Foundry. It was amazing. And then, he's kind of uh, like a t- like almost like a Tom Mish of keys. Yeah, he's, it's it's super great. And then um, the Color Spectrum by the Deer Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, n- particularly Orange off the Color Spectrum. But uh, are, you, are you familiar with those that album? Or? I know the name. I don't know yeah, the uh, it's pretty much music too. Uh, the Casey Crescenzo writer of this band, uh, amazing writer. He decided to do this project where he put out an EP for every color of the Color Spectrum. And they just put it out all at once. So it's 36 songs. It's nine four-song EPs. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and all the songs on the color, like, pretty much matches the mood. Like, it, like black is kind of, like, industrial. Red is a little hard rock. Orange is classic rock. Yellow is starting to get Beatles-y. And then all the way down to, like, white that is, like, acoustic. That's um, pretty sweet. Yeah. It's really awesome. Highly recommended. I'll check it out later. All right. Let's do a quick lightning round. Okay. Every episode, we have a quick lightning quick. round. We'll start with... <laughs> well, no, we'll start with Costa this time and keep it brief. What was your first record you owned as a kid? Oh, boy. Um, uh, probably something by Billy Joel, but uh, I feel like I remember when my mom brought home Songs About Jane by Maroon 5. Great so, record. Yeah, I would say that one or definitely something by Billy Joel. First concert you saw? Aerosmith. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Who opened? Cheap Trick. Even better. Yeah. Uh, uh, first instrument you ever played? Uh, drums. Really? Yeah. I got when I got to Drexel, I was still playing drums, and then I became friends with Richie. He said he would give me some lessons. Scared me right away from the drums. <laughs> uh, never looked back, and that's when I became like just an engineer until I became a like, keys player. Favorite artist right now? Uh, ooh, right now. Uh, wow, dang, that's so tough. I've really been loving that uh, Jordan Reiki Rakey. Can you say his name right? Yeah. You don't like I him should, that I much. I really know his name, but that, that record's I've really been loving right now. Also, Billy Joel. Also. That'd also be your favorite record at this time? Um, that or the, the Fork album, probably my favorite records right now. Right on. All right, Dave. Let's see. First CD you ever owned? Um, I don't know if it's the first CD I own, but uh, a Bare Naked Ladies record where there, there's like a clown on the cover and like in a dunce cap. I don't know what the name of the record is, but Gor- that's, that's, I know Gordon. that's the uh, vision that I have in my mind. So that one, I guess. Okay. First concert you ever saw? Uh, Journey, Heart, and Cheap Trick. Ooh. <laughs> that's Cheap the thread that we haven't right. talked about. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, first instrument you ever played? Clarinet. So we went clarinet saxophone yes, clarinet. to nothing. No. Yeah. Or guitar. And then. Yes. In fourth grade, they don't let you go right to the saxophone. They make you play clarinet what? for at least six months, and then you can switch to saxophone. Oh, so so you, I played clarinet for no the, sense. the minimal amount of time, and then I switched to that saxophone. Makes sense. makes sense. Favorite artist right now? Ellen Siberian Tiger, hands down. Favorite CD right now? Or, sorry, favorite album right now? Ooh, I can't remember what the name of their album on Spotify is, but I'm going to look it up right now so I can tell you. All right, we'll move on. I when can't got, help it. Is I the can't name help of the it. By who? Ellen Siberian Tiger. Okay, cool. Bill, first C- first CD you ever owned or album? Uh, I was uh, my parents gave me a B52s Cosmic Thing. Ooh. Nice album. Yes. <laughs> first concert you saw? Trans Siberian Orchestra. Wow, it's a great with Cheap Trick <laughs> opening. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That would be an incredible show. That would be wicked. Carol the Bells and Lasers. That's the only two things I remember as a kid. Um, (laughs) First instrument you started with? Piano. Cool. Uh, 
Favorite artist right now? Uh, as of a couple of days ago, probably uh, Crumb. Oh, nice. That's a different one that I've heard in here. Favorite album right now? The latest Anderson Pack album. That's, That's a good, good one. Is that Ventura? Ventura, yeah. All right, boys. Well, where can people find you online? Uh, so we have a website, darlamusic.com, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Darla Philly. Um, Bandcamp is Darla, Spotify. Everything is either Darla or Darla Philly. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, if not, Facebook, Google. Facebook.com right. slash Darla Philly. Twitter. Right. If you put Darla Philly into any sort of search engine, it'll end up on us. Yeah, yes. instead of the Finding Nemo girl. That's what I kept <laughs> yeah. finding. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that was a problem for us. For we, a had a, we had a whole saga with CD Baby about that. Just oh, yeah. Like, that's not Imagine us, going I to swear. Spotify and, like, seeing, you know, Darla rolls the dice and... Like, read, read, Darla. Like, yeah. From that was Finding our, Nemo. Our top track for so long because it had like millions of plays. It was the Finding Nemo soundtrack. Like, hey, whatever, take it and you just run with it. Let them yeah, play the rest right. of the music. You didn't get any of those royalties. Dude. Right. That's, that's, that's true. Yeah, that, that didn't get mixed up, did it? Um, uh, well, I guess your stuff hasn't been announced, but this will be released probably in the new year. What do you think your first show will be in 2020? Oh, or should yeah. they just check your website for for all the yeah, yeah check it you check know, the website no way to... <laughs> join our newsletter if you want to if you go on our website yeah. there's a for, there's a little you just put in your your email address we don't use it that much but we definitely use it whenever there's new stuff coming down the tubes so we won't spam your inbox that's yeah, for sure we, we promise will only send you meaningful communications right hi my name is Bill right <laughs> I love it and uh, I, I just want to say this again. We would love to do a super jam with y'all because that would be fun. Because then it'd be at least be fun. nine, ten of us, yeah. and then you know, it's just whipping clothes for like <laughs> whipping. fifty minutes. Hey, we we'd love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for coming, guys. Really thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for listening to Dude. Check this out. Once again, if you want to learn more about Hambone Relay, please go to our website, hambonerelay.com, or go to iTunes to check out our records, or Spotify, which is where these playlists will be located for these episodes. And don't listen to the haters, man. There's plenty of good music out there. You just have to keep looking. See y'all later.